When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody, this is Jay Scott. You are listening to the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope everyone is having a great day post Thanksgiving. We are now in the month of December, which this year has absolutely flown by rapidly. Like, I can't believe it's already December. We started doing this at the end of June, so we've been doing it for a little over five months and uh, just continuing to develop the craft and continuing to get better at content and bringing you rock discussions that you guys all want to listen to. We got a lot of ideas coming down for the new year, which I'll address as we move forward this month and got some fun things planned too for around the holidays. But we're going to dive into our latest episode. I am flying solo and I think I'm going to do this a little bit more. I I enjoy having the guests as well, and they're, they're always great, whether it's Mike, whether it's Christy, whether it's whomever. Uh, they've all done a great job. They all bring something to the table whenever it comes to having a rock discussion. And a lot of those discussions have kind of turned over the last two and a half months, three months, into talking about the relevancy of rock music and where it stands today and we're going to continue that discussion today with the top 10 reasons why rock music is struggling and there's really no one definitive reason I think there's maybe some bigger reasons that you know are kind of like this is one of the main reasons but I think there's a multitude of issues that is prohibiting rock music from developing a younger audience, developing a new audience. And we're going to dive that into that today and talk about that. And I really want to hear your thoughts in the comment sections and what everybody thinks about the state of rock music and where it's going and 
how we're going to build on what I think is a great year in music. In fact, I think the last few years have really been great in terms of new music, either by new bands or artists or new albums by existing bands or bands that we all know. Um, but we're going to find out why it's not resonating with people like it did in years past, decades ago. So here are the top 10 reasons why, in my opinion, rock is struggling, why it's become irrelevant. And let's start out with number 10. And I've mentioned this on several episodes, and that's the critics and elitists in music today. You know, the guys that sit on their YouTube channels and tell you how bad something is and how good something is and why you should buy it and why you shouldn't buy it and why this music is better than this music and this, that, or the other. Yeah. When did rock fans rely on music critics to determine what they listen to? I know when I was younger and I wanted to listen to a band, I turned on the radio when you could hear new rock music and I discovered new bands, new bands, you know, by, by watching videos, going to see shows and seeing the opening acts. And I didn't really pay attention to what critics said. You know, critics never loved Kiss. Critics never loved Led Zeppelin. If you want to really look at the old reviews of concerts and albums of Led Zeppelin when they were in their heyday in the 70s and when they started out in the late 60s, critics did not like them. Imagine... Listening to a critic on YouTube, if YouTube existed back then, and you not wanting to listen to Led Zeppelin because a critic said rock and roll wasn't a good song or Stairway to Heaven is way too self-indulged. Think about that. Think about if you listen to the critics on what they said about Kiss. Think about all that joy that you would have missed if you're a Kiss fan because you decided to listen to the critic and not check out Destroyer or Love Gun or Alive, all those great classic albums. The critics certainly didn't like the music from the 80s. What band in the 80s received high marks from critics? Wasn't Def Leppard? Wasn't Bon Jovi? Wasn't Motley Crue? Wasn't Ozzy Osbourne? None of those artists, none of those bands were liked by the critics. And I don't know why that matters now. I look at some of these critics like the, the ballhead dude with the, with the porn mustache on YouTube. Why are we listening to these people? Why? Go out and listen. I, I, you know, rock music is so subjective. Music in general is so subjective, right? What you like... Others may not like. You know, I get I get criticized on my Twitter page because I like Bon Jovi, and I've seen Bon Jovi in concert, and they put on a great live show, and they were one of the biggest acts in the 80s and into the early 90s. They reinvented themselves with the album Crush and the song It's My Life. They remained relevant for two and a half decades, pretty much, you know, we can always talk about what they're like now, of course. I mean, they're older. They're in the late 50s, early 60s. And 
they don't sound as good as they used to, and Father Time has caught up to John Bon Jovi. And yeah, I mean, if you're going to to, to criticize them for that, I mean, who isn't? Who hasn't been a victim of Father Time? You know what I mean? So when you're telling me about Bon Jovi and how they sound now and how they're not good now, that, that doesn't matter to me. What I what matters to me is they were a big band in the 80s, and I get criticized for pledging my, I don't want to say allegiance, but I'm not afraid to say that I liked them and I liked a lot of their music, and a lot of their music was good. I mean, you l- listen to some of their contemporaries in interviews and how they talk about the songs that John Bon Jovi and Richie Sambora put out in the 80s, whether it's One a Dead or Alive, Living on a Prayer, You Give Love a Bad Name, Bad Medicine, Blood on Blood, Keep the Faith. I mean, yeah, maybe there's some cheesy lyrics in there, but you can't argue with success. But getting back to what I said, you know, none of those bands in the 80s were liked by critics. We didn't care. We listened to them. If we cared, none of those bands would even be in existence today because they wouldn't be able to survive, whether it's Iron Maiden or Judas Priest or any of those bands. You know, Van Halen was just considered a party band and nothing more. There was no depth to Van Halen. I mean, if you want to compare them to bands like Rush or Genesis or Yes or something like that, you know, sure, there's a lot of maybe deeper meaning in the lyrics and the way the songs are structured, but you can't argue with Eddie Van Halen being the most influential guitar player outside of Jimi Hendrix and maybe Jimmy Page ever. I mean, he changed the face of guitar. But my point is, is stop listening to the critics. Stop listening to what they're telling you and go enjoy and go like what you like. And stop involving yourself with people who want to tell you this song sucks, that band sucks, this is that, that is this. Like I said in our introduction episode, music is your religion and you like what you like and screw everybody else. Let yourself have your own soundtrack. Moving on to number nine. No local support for new rock acts. And this kind of falls on both sides of the fence. It falls on the club owners who need to make money. They need to sell liquor. They need to sell beer. They got to fill their clubs or their bars on Friday and Saturday nights. And unfortunately, because the fan, many of the fans have their heads up their asses, they won't go listen to new original rock music, the club owners, the bar owners, hire cover bands, tribute bands. Now, there's a difference between a tribute band and a cover band. Like, you know, there's there's some bands that just do Bon Scott era ACDC, or there's bands that do Led Zeppelin, or there's bands like, there's a, there's a, a band called Mr. Speed. It's a Kiss tribute band. They try to emulate the or one specific act, right? You know, whether it's, I think there's Killer Queen is a Queen tribute band. And some of these bands are, do very well for themselves. They draw big crowds, they play small theaters, and they make a lot of money. And I can understand someone wanting to go see a Queen with a guy that sounds and looks like Freddie Mercury 
or a guy or a gal who wants to go see ACDC with a Bon Scott era vocalist because they never were able to see him. I get the intrigue and I get why that's interesting. But the cover band basically is a wedding band. It's basically, you know, four or five guys up on stage becoming a jukebox. And it's essentially they're playing other people's music. Now, a lot of these musicians are older musicians, you know, early 40s and on, who have been in original rock bands at some point in their careers, who have decided because of family, because of commitments, that they no longer have the time to put in for an original rock band. That happens. Life happens sometimes. A lot of these musicians that are in these cover bands, as we, cover, as we talked about with Chris a couple weeks ago, is they're phenomenal musicians. They are good players. They know their instruments very well. But, like I said, they still want to play music. They have life commitments that, you know, life is what it is, basically. And they've chosen to have that musical outlet with a cover band. Now, you can say that, oh, you know, they're ruining rock music. They're playing other people's music. They're getting paid to do it. You can say all that. And you are right to say that. You have the right to say that. And a lot of times you are correct. You know, I see a lot of these cover bands that are out there and, you know, they do it. They do it well, but they do what they do for money. But if the if the local rock scenes were vibrant, and the local rock scenes were doing well with original rock music, there would not be the need for cover bands. And where does that need come from? Where does the supply and demand come from? Well, the demand comes from the fan, who, like I said moments ago, would rather go out on a Friday and Saturday night and Go see live music performed by other people who are not the band that made the song popular. They'd rather see other people play a song and it reminisce. Don't get it. I don't understand the fan interest of basically going to see a wedding band on a Friday and Saturday night. Don't understand it. We'll never understand it because there's so much great new music out there. I mean, pretty much when you go to these clubs or these bars, you're still paying a cover, whether it's five, six, seven, ten, eleven, twelve dollars, right? You could go see, like I saw Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown and the Temperance Movement at Lincoln Hall in Chicago back in June or July. I'm gonna say June. And they were phenomenal. And I paid, I think 15 or 16 bucks to go see them and it was awesome so why is a rock fan why can't you pony up 15 bucks 18 bucks 20 bucks even and go see new upcoming original rock music and go enjoy yourself and buy a CD while you're at it for 10 bucks or 15 bucks or buy a t-shirt I don't understand you know, I go to these festivals in the summertime and I see these cover bands and there's 2,000, 3,000 people and these bands are playing to a track. Most of them aren't even playing the music live. They have everything lined up with a video screen playing the video of the music 
that they're playing or they think that they want you to make you think that they're playing live and they're not. So not only are you going to see bands on some cases that are playing other people's music, they're not even playing it. They're playing to a track. I, I mean, if that's what you want for entertainment, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say to people like that who want to hear 60, 70 songs, song clips in a 30-minute in a medley. What, what, what is that? You know, everything from Huey Lewis in the News to the Grease soundtrack to Duran Duran to Poison. All in 30 minutes, 70 songs, 30-second clips, whatever, 60 songs, I don't even know. People are jumping around like it's the greatest thing, and it, in my opinion, sucks balls. Why do you want to listen to that? Why don't you go listen to... The guy that's been in his basement or in his room writing a music, writing a song, struggling to put it all together and arrange it properly, writing the lyrics, coming up with the idea for a song and works on it and works on it every day for a month or whenever, however long it takes him, puts it together, gets a band together that has great musicians, wants to play it for you live, and they get 15 people. They get 20 people. But the cover band that's not even playing other people's music live, some of them are. Some of them are. I shouldn't say all of them. But a lot of them are playing the tracks, and a lot of them, you know, are, are and again, they're playing other people's music. Why would you go spend the money on that and not go see somebody that could be the new upcoming artist or some, an artist that, like, you connect with with this music? I mean, I, I understand you can't do that all the time, and there's times where you just want to go out and you want to know what you're getting and you want, you want, you want to know what you're going to be listening to. I understand that. But as a rock fan, if you are a true rock fan, at some point, maybe every other month, maybe every month, maybe two, three times a year, go out and see some original rock music. Go look at some clubs in your area or that are within a 30-minute drive or a 40-minute drive of you that's got some new upcoming bands. Look at the upcoming shows. Go on YouTube. Type in the artist. Oh, I kind of like these guys. Or, eh, I'm not too crazy about these guys. But find a band that you might dig and go check them out. I know it's work. I know it's a pain in the ass. So we're going to get to that in a little bit. But it's really going to help new rock music forge ahead and be relevant again. If you just start doing that, right? So number eight is platforms and social media. You know, whether it's YouTube, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, and then you have the platforms like Spotify and iTunes and Amazon Music and Pandora. So there are a lot of avenues to get your fix, right? There's a lot of avenues to find new rock music. And I think it's all positive that an artist who is trying to find an audience has the ability through several different avenues to be able to connect with people around the globe. You know, it used to be a local scene that we just talked about where bands, original rock bands, would play at the two, three, four clubs in town 
and they would draw a crowd Friday, Saturday nights. They would develop a nice following, but it was very regionalized, meaning that if a band was big in Chicago but not on the national stage yet, people in California, people in New York or Boston or Arizona, Florida, would never hear of that band. Only if they got a national con- or, or a record contract with a big record label and they were put on a national stage. What's cool about it now, and as Chris Lane from the band station mentioned in a conversation I had with him, is that the new scene is planet Earth, where any band from anywhere can connect with anyone in the world. And that's awesome. That is so cool. Because how many times did we say over the years that why isn't this band big? Why isn't this band huge? We still say that now, but for different reasons. However, I have the opinion that there's almost too much out there. So if a band is developing new music and wants to put it out there, they can put it on any platform. They can put it on on any social media platform. That doesn't mean it's going to do anything, right? That doesn't mean all of a sudden they're going to have this wave of fans connect with their music. They still have to work. The work is still there, okay? You still have to, quote, unquote, pound the pavement. You got to get in front of people. You got to play your music live, okay? I mean, you've got to really go out on tour, you know, whether it's playing clubs for a couple hundred bucks a night and try to develop an audience or try to hook on with a management team or a PR team that help that can help you get on a national tour with a band that might be a little bigger than you or, or, or whatever. But because there's so many platforms, a lot of people get overwhelmed because they don't know where to look for the music. They don't know how to search for the music. You know, I mean, obviously the younger generations know how to, how to do it. They're more tech savvy. But if you're trying to connect with someone who's maybe of my generation in the 40s or older, it's hard because they're not up to date on the new social media platforms, right? I mean, they may have a Facebook account or an Instagram account or a Twitter account. You know, a lot of them may not know how to use Spotify or use iTunes. I mean, that's just the truth. You know, we may be able to do it. I may be able to do it, but that doesn't mean everybody. And People my age and older, right at this time, are more or less the largest consumers of rock music. Meaning that we spend the money on going to the shows. Whether, you know, it's the $14, $15 show that I just talked about. More than likely, it's the more expensive ones where it's, you know, 100 bucks a pop and up to go see a show. And they go buy the merchandise of the classic rock bands. And that's how the majority of rock bands spend their money. Majority of rock fans right now are very top heavy, meaning they're 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 out of the demographic that marketers and advertisers look at to advertise their product. But that being said, you hear the excuse all the time, where do I find this new rock music? And people like myself, we shake our head and be like, you know, I post this stuff on my Twitter feed. There's stuff on Facebook. You can find these bands. But if they don't know the bands to search, how are they going to connect with those bands, right? 
I mean, I can like Dirty Honey and Joyous Wolf and all these bands that I talk about frequently, but if, you know, Mary Smith or John Smith has never heard of them, how are they going to connect? You know, rock radio doesn't exist anymore for new music unless it's a college town or independent radio station that may not garner the audience that bigger radio stations do. There's no MTV anymore. You know, you can't just sit on your couch, turn on the TV, and hear new music. So it's a combination of someone being older, understanding technology, whether it's YouTube or whether it's, you know, any of the social media platforms, knowing what to search, knowing where to go. And a lot of times they don't. They don't know where to go. And, yeah, you know, people like myself or people like, Mike at Keep Rock Alive and others who promote new music and Estella over in the UK. Not everybody's going to listen to us when we tell them where to go. Then the frustration lies, oh, well, I don't know where to find it. Well, if you just paid attention on our social media platforms and you're following me, you could find it. You could find it on Mike's page. You can find it on Ann's page. It's out there. People are doing a lot. People are are, are doing this for free, like myself, promoting new rock music. But maybe there's too much of it. Maybe there needs to be more of a centralized location. Just thinking out loud right now. Maybe having too many social media platforms is too complex for too many people. I don't know. There's also the aspect of A lot of music being out there that I don't want to say is junk. Some of it is. But for the most part, a lot of this stuff is self-produced. And when they when people self-produced, they're not listening to anyone who's telling them, eh, you know, maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe it should sound like this. Maybe it should sound like that. So they put out these albums and they put out this music that there's a lot of fat on it, meaning you know, there's a lot of things that if there was still the A&R guy, he would tell him to get rid of it, sharpen it up a little bit, make it sound a little more tight, a little more ready to go. Whereas now, I mean, you know, I get music and it's, it's good, but it's not ready. It's not ready, you know, to be put out there and for people to listen to. And my suggestion for people who are doing that is to connect yourself with people who will tell you it's not good or it needs to be better. If you are trying to get your music out to people, you can't afford to have the ego that tells you your music is great and these people don't know what they're talking about. Granted, there are people that are out there that don't know what they're talking about, but find people that will tell you the honest truth. Like, this needs to be better. Maybe this song needs this. Maybe this song needs that. That's what you need. Because a lot of stuff that's being put out on social media platforms and people are putting out because they worked on this, it's it's just not ready. It's not, it should not be put out at that moment. It needs more work. 
just my opinion. You know, I'm not trying to be a music critic or elitist, but, you know, you can tell someone who has gone in and have someone produce it and people who have listened to what may not be working with a song versus people who are doing it themselves in a home studio and they're surrounded by people who say, oh, man, this sounds great. This sounds awesome. Yeah, totally, totally. You need people in the room that tells you no because all those artists that made you want to pick up a guitar or drum or made you want to sing, made you want to start a band, they all had people in the room telling them, no, we need to do this. Take it for what it's worth. Number seven, and this has become a subject of mine lately or or a, a complaint of mine lately, I should say, and that is when bands do these tours, the opening act is another well-known act. Let's use the new tour that was announced last week. Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison. Why the hell is Poison opening up this tour? They're not going to sell more tickets for Def Leppard and Motley Crue. Let's take a look at the rumor that's out there. Judas Priest, Iron Maiden with the opener, Testament. Why is Testament opening up this tour? Iron Maiden and Judas Priest will sell the tickets. I don't need... Testament didn't convince me to go see that show if it does come to fruition. Poison did not convince me to go see the show with Motley Crue and Def Leppard. Why are these bands or why are these promoters refusing to take new original rock acts out on tour or put them on a tour, put them on a bill with these bands? What the fuck is going on? How do you expect rock music to survive if the bands at the top, the bands that make all the money, are not putting unknowns or newer bands out on the tours with them. Why? When is a band going to step up and say, no, we want this unknown band or this new band to be on tour with us? When are they going to get the stones to do that? You think a promoter is going to cancel the tour because you want a newer band to go out with you? And if it's about money, how much more money are you going to get with Poison versus having... Dirty Honey, Joyous Wolf, The Struts, whomever. How much money are you going to to, to lose by having a newer band? And make it be part of your legacy. How cool is it if you're going to be Iron Maiden? You know, Iron Maiden, even when they were touring later on, they still brought out, like, new bands with them. Judas Priest brought out Uriah Heep this past summer. Why? Uriah Heep, how how many more tickets did Uriah Heep sell for that tour? Very little, I bet. Very little. If you would have brought a new band out there with you, like uh, Riders Creed in Europe, in the UK, or Massive Wagons in the UK, or Takeaway Thieves, who's going to be on our show on Thursday, Why? What happened to bringing out the unknowns, bringing out the new bands who need support? I don't see it anymore. 
even when it's at a small theater or, at a, or a local club. You know, you see these double bills of these bands that are, I didn't see it, but Tom Kiefer and L.A. Guns came to a show. And that's great. But where's the new band? Where's the band that needs exposure? Come on. None of these acts are ever going to, to, to make it, or it's making it so much more difficult for them to make it because you're not doing it. Look at Kiss. Kiss has a fucking painter opening up for them on their end of the road tour. A painter. Why? Why not have a new act? Why not have a new band? You're doing hundreds of shows, right? Let's say you're doing 120 shows. Pick four bands, have them do 30 shows each. You know, Kiss wants to talk all the time about, oh, we brought this band out when they were young. We brought ACDC, we brought Iron Maiden, we brought all these bands. You're bringing a painter. You have a painter on tour with you right now. On your farewell tour. That, from all accounts, is doing very well financially. It's selling tickets. I know there's a lot of criticism about Kiss with Paul Stanley's vocals and them staying around too long. Beside the point, it's the tour is doing well. They are doing well. And they have, I think, another year and a half left on the tour. Where are you, Paul Stanley? Where are you, Gene Simmons? So obviously there's some control into who goes out on tour because Kiss has a painter opening up for them. They have a painter. So you mean to tell me Def Leppard and Motley Crue had no control over opening acts? Iron Maiden and Judas Priest have no control over opening acts? I'm sorry, I call bullshit. It's got to happen. Remember when these bands were young and starting, Motley Crue taken on tour by, with Ozzy Osbourne, taken out on the road with Ozzy. All these bands have stories like that. Where are you now? What are you doing? Rock needs your help. And you're not doing shit. Now, I know Motley Crue has brought the struts out in other bands, and I, and I know they've done that. Def Leppard, I've never seen them bring out a new upcoming band. They brought out Tesla. They've toured with G- Cheap Trick. They did a co-headline tour with Journey. I don't, know, I, I don't know the last time they brought out an up-and-coming band on a U.S. tour. Iron Maiden brought out Ghost. And I forget who they brought out on this last tour that they came out with. But Judas Priest, you know, last time I saw them in April of 2018, they were with Saxon. And, oh, God, I can't remember the name. It's the uh, evolution of Thin Lizzy. Blackstone Riders. Now they bring out Uriah Heep. I mean... Where's the new up-and-coming band? What are you doing, Rob Halford, to, to promote new rock music, to help out the new bands? What are you doing? 
Ah, that pisses me off. Number six, the physical connection. And I know Mike bugs me about this and rails on me through DM and sometimes on on Twitter, but it is important. And it's not just important to rock music. It's it's important to all, all music forms, all music genres. We've taken away the physical connection through technology. Technology has been able to connect with music or how you connect with music all over the world, bands all over the world. And that's great. But what's missing is that physical piece of the physical connection when you connect to the art that's in your hand, the experience. The younger generation is really into the experience. And if one thing comes out of 2019 as a positive, look at the new Tool album and look at how the physical form was the number one selling album for a week or two because people went out and bought the physical form because it had something different, something unique. It provided an experience for the buyer. I think more bands need to capitalize on that. Need to realize that that might be something that will get them to the front of the line in terms of the consumer there's something that's unique about their product and there's a buzz about it young kids will go out and buy it they'll have their parents go out and buy it it's not crazy right i mean think about when we were growing up how we used to get the vinyl or the cassette or the cd the album artwork was just as important in most cases as the music the back cover you know, it was always interesting, too, for a lot of albums. You'd open up the CD or the cassette or the album. You'd read the liner notes. You'd hold it in your hand. You'd have different pictures inside the liner notes sometimes. you, As you played the music, you would read the lyrics. And that doesn't happen anymore. And what's that? what that's caused is no connection. It's click, 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 click. Play a song for 30 seconds. Click, 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 click. Play another song for 20 seconds. Click, 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 click. You're not even listening to the full song. Because it's not tangible. It's out of thin air. It's point, click, download, listen. Sometimes not even a download. It's point, click, listen. You don't have a stake in the game. And it means a lot to the experience of rock music. It's not the most important, but it's up there. And it's affecting how we consume music in general, not just rock, everything. Maybe it explains why pop music is so shitty right now. I mean, when you listen to pop music, if you're like me, you cringe because it's not music. It's auto-tuned. It's, it's overproduced. It's got, you know... 10 different writers or 30 different writers on one song. It's, you know, it's just, it's not music. But people like it. People enjoy it. But how different would it be is if there was still some sort of physical connection? I don't know the answer of how we'll get that back. I don't know if there is an answer. I don't know if it's even possible. Because everything is digital now. Everything is on your handheld device, which in most cases is your phone. I don't know if that's ever going to come back. The likelihood, it isn't. 
But maybe if Tool tapped into something this past year, maybe maybe it will. Maybe other bands or other management companies are look at that and say, hey, if you put out a new album, make it an experience. Look what Iron Maiden does. Like look at the Book of Souls album. It was it was almost like a booklet that they that the album came in. It was really interesting packaging. But statistics do show that the younger generation likes an experience. Take it for what it's worth. Number five. Where are the rock stars? Where are the outlaws of today's rock music? I had a conversation, or we did an episode with my son, Christopher. And he talked about how most of his friends listen to rap music. Most of his friends' parents don't want them to listen to rap music. Okay? It's become what rock music was when we were younger. Our parents didn't want us to listen to it. They didn't want I mean, I remember I had to go like through a covert operation to get Bark at the Moon or to get a Wasp album in my house. Like I literally had to hide it, shove it down my pants, do whatever I needed to do to get that record. And then once I had it in the room, I had to hide it again. And I could only listen to it if I was the only one in the house or if I had headphones on. That's essentially what rap music has become for most kids. You know, most most parents are telling them to turn that crap off. That was our parents telling us. And, if, and of course, you know, if you are a kid, the more your parents rail against you about not listening to this or not listening to that, you want to listen to it more. That's the truth. That's just the way life is. That, that's, you know, that's you wanting to be rebellious as against your, your parents. I often have said that a lot of the bands that I grew up with could not survive in today's social climate. Me Too movement, the woke movement, everything being, you know, oversensitive, over politically correct. And yes, I get some of it, right? I mean, if someone is blatantly racist or is blatantly you know, doing something horrible to a group of people and saying horrible things about a group of people, yes, okay, that person should be called out and that, you know, society should deal with that in a productive way. Meaning, you know, not a lot of screaming and shouting, just don't give that person or persons a platform anymore. I understand that and I agree with that. But there come there has come to a point, or it has come to a point, where people are afraid to do things, people are afraid to say things because of pushback on social media, um, wherever. And it's scary because where is this going to end? Where, what's the end game for this, right? Like where, where do people finally settle on what's acceptable and what's not? What's offensive and what's not? I am not easily offended. Very few things offend me. 
However, if I am offended, I don't have the right to tell someone else that because I'm offended, you can't listen to it, you can't watch it, you can't hear it. I mean, all censorship hurts art, right? Hurts the art form. And that censorship can come in many different ways. Could be government censorship, could be, you know, local schools censoring things or universities censoring things. And it could come from peers too, peer censorship. All forms of censorship are bad. If you don't like something, turn it off. Get up and walk away. Change the channel. Simple. Because you don't like something doesn't give you the right to tell other people that it's bad or that they shouldn't watch it. Look at the last Chappelle show, you know, um, comedic, you know, comedy specials. If you're going to listen to Dave Chappelle do stand-up comedy, you have to prepare yourself to hear things that are outside the box, right? Outside the norm. If you're not prepared, don't watch it. It's simple. But it's the same thing with bands and musicians. Like I just said, I've often said that a band like Motley Crue couldn't exist in today's social climate. I think we need a band like Motley Crue. I think we need people like a David Lee Roth. I think we need people that push the boundaries, that give the middle finger to the norms. Now, that doesn't mean that they should be addicted to drugs or, you know, commit crimes. But if a band has a PR person that's telling them what to say and what not to say, you're with the wrong PR firm. You need to be with a PR firm that says, what did you say? Okay, how are we going to deal with that? You need to be authentic. You need to be natural. Don't be afraid to push the envelope. Don't be afraid for people to want to push back against you. Protest your shows. I mean, you look at the social movement in the, in the 60s with the Vietnam War. And you look at artists like Bob Dylan, and you look at artists, whoever, Jimi Hendrix, The Stones, all those bands that were counterculture or making music that was counterculture. Some of the best music ever came out during that time period. And right now with the political climate the way it is, whether whatever side of the fence that you fall on, be natural, be authentic. Don't be afraid to piss people off. Don't be afraid to offend somebody. You're a rock star. You're in a rock band. You're supposed to offend people. And yes, it's got to be authentic. It's got to come from the heart. It's got to come from the right place. But where are the rock stars of today? I think there are a few that are developing into that. But let's see where it goes. But if I had advice for someone in a band that was not doing things because they were afraid of you know, upsetting this group of people here or that group of people here, my opinion, 
who cares? Go do it. Be yourself. Be natural. Be authentic. Number four, the youth of today, the kids of today. I touched on it a little bit with the physical connection, but we have a generation that, in my opinion, is craving new rock music and wants something different. And rock music is the something different. Technology allows bands to connect with kids, but I think the interaction on social media is really cool with a lot of bands that do, and I hope that's, that's you know, barming a lot of fans and fostering a lot of new fans. But that's where it lies. That's where the future lies. I talked about the classic rock crowd and how we spend a lot of money we only spend it on the, the, the top-heavy bands, the bands that are already successful. However, the new generation is there for the taking. But they're not listening. So what is parents? What are we doing? Just start playing rock music in your car. Just start, get, have them take the headphones off. Start listening to it. Take them to a rock show. Take your kid to a rock concert. Okay. My son, who's 14, I've been taking him to shows since he was five. I took him to see Metallica and Maiden when he was 11 or 12. He's normal. No, he's, nothing's wrong with him. He's fine. He survived. But he loves rock music. He knows what it's all about. Start doing that with your kid. Take him to a festival. If there's a rib fest in your town, usually they have a national act or semi-national act. Go take them. Don't go take them to see a cover band, damn it. Seriously. Have them, take them to a rock show. Go look up at all ages shows. Have them go see someone play guitar and jam on it. Have them go see someone play the drums. Have Have them go see someone who actually sings while they're on stage. That'll be the difference. I guarantee you, they'll enjoy it. There's a lot of tours happening this summer. There's the big ones. There's the small ones. It's up to you, but take them and expose them to rock music, live, live rock music. Number three, the money and business side. We've talked about this a few times on the podcast. A lot of this stems from D. Snyder's comments about the Super Bowl and the lack of rock music being part of the Super Bowl. We saw the Grammy nominations come out a few weeks ago. I talked about that on the show. I'm still fucking disgusted about that. We're not going to see that happen anymore. We're not going to see Rock X at a Super Bowl. We're not going to see the Grammys actually present the Rock Awards on television. MTV Awards, forget it. American Music Awards, forget it, unless it's a classic rock band, because no one is spending the money compared to the other genres of music. And that's where it starts. That's where we become irrelevant. If the demographic that all advertisers and marketers are not listening to rock and not buying rock music, we don't matter. Rock does not matter on a national stage. So forget about the Super Bowl. Forget about the Grammys. Who cares about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I, I get frustrated too, but at the end of the day, the, the elitists and the critics are the ones that are making the decision on that. For the most part, who cares? That ship has sailed. But if you want rock music to be on the national stage, 
and be on the national platform again, you got to do the things that, you know, I've talked about. You got to listen to new rock music. You got to go spend the money. You got to go do it. You got to get your, your nephews and nieces and daughters and sons into rock music. And I'm not just saying, you know, do the clockwork orange thing and have them sit in front of a television in a straitjacket, forcing their eyes open and listen to it. No, man, just if you have really young kids when they get in the car, instead of playing rap music or pop music or sports talk radio or whatever you listen to, pop in an album. Start out with the Beatles if they're really young. You know, it doesn't sound too dangerous. It doesn't really sound, you know, too threatening to them. You don't want to start them out with Slayer or Metallica or whatever. You know, for a four or five-year-old, that might be too much. But they'll hear the melody with the Beatles. They'll hear the song structure, and they'll enjoy it. And they'll relate the rock music to something that soothes them and something that they enjoy. And as they get older, six, seven, eight, you start to expose them maybe to the Stones, maybe to some Zeppelin, the Who, you know. And then as they get to 10 and 11, then you start playing some Motley Crue and some Metallica. It's all process. But just have it always playing in the background. You know, don't force them to listen to it. Don't tell them, oh, this is so good. Just just have it in the background so they're used to it. And they 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 correlate how they feel with the music that they've that they've heard while they're with you. Just a thought. Number two, we're getting close to the finish line here. And I've talked about this a lot of times. One of the biggest issues is you. The rock fans. I've covered enough throughout some of the topics here today about what you're doing and how you how it affects rock music. But essentially, most rock fans have turned their back on new rock music. Because they heard a Nickelback song or a Smash Mouth song 15, 20 years ago, they've, they've said that new rock music sucks. They can't find new rock music that connects with them. I hear it over and over again. It's daily that I hear it or see it written. And it's just not true. You're not listening if you think new rock sucks. You are not listening. You are not a music fan anymore. You are a music consumer. You are part of the sheep that just blindly listens to classic rock, the same 50, 60 songs over and over and over again. Broaden your horizons Go be that person you were 25, 30 years ago. Listen to stuff that I put on my page. Mike KR, you know, Keep Rock Alive. Anastella does a great job. Go check it out. There's got to be something that connects with you. If you're if you're saying that all this music, this new music sucks and you're listening to all that stuff, I my bet is is that you are you're listening with a with a preconceived idea of what it's going to be and you're already telling yourself not to like it and that's pretty shitty so just open up your mind a little bit listen to some of the stuff my rule of thumb is I always listen to something three four five times before I actually make a judgment on it if I can't connect with it after the fifth play then I put it away and maybe I'll revisit it a couple months or a year Sometimes music is all about timing. But come on, people. You are killing rock music. You you hold a lot of the responsibility for the state of rock music as it stands right now. There are there is blood on your hands. It's true. 
I post these polls on my Twitter feed. They get great response. I mean, over 10% connection with, with, my, with my Twitter followers. I post new music. It gets less than 3%. You're not clicking on it. You're not even listening. So don't tell me New Rock sucks because you won't even listen. You're too lazy to hit the click button and listen for three to four minutes. What the fuck? While you're going through my polls and voting on my polls, just press play and then open up another page and then just start voting and you can listen to the music while you're doing that. Simple. But you got to start listening. You got to expose your kids to music. You've got to go out and support local original music. You got to support the newer bands that are coming through on tours that are almost playing for next to nothing. You got to do it. Or else rock music will be like a phone booth, right? You see it once in a while, but it's out of, it'll be out of sight, out of mind. And then you'll be 70, 80 years old, and you'll be telling your grandkids, well, I used to listen to rock music. And they'll be like, what's that, Grandma? What's that, Grandpa? And they won't have any idea. It'll still be played. Rock music's never going to die, but it's going to become harder and harder to find. Just is. There's so many new rock bands out there right now that are kicking ass. There's no excuse for you not to be listening. And my last and number one reason why rock has become irrelevant is infrastructure. Let's combine all the things we talked about or most of the things we talked about. There's nowhere for new music to go outside the social media platforms. And yes, that's good, but years years ago we had MTV, band put out a video, radio followed, band had a hit, they were put on a tour, they made money, they, they grew their fan base, went in the studio, did their next record, boom, boom, boom. Now, there's no more rock radio outside of classic rock. And if they are playing new music, it's like a local independent station that doesn't have the frequency to go on or beyond, you know, 50, 60 miles. College radio station, but even their definition of rock sometimes is confusing. So there's no more rock radio. There's no more MTV. Where does the new music go? The bands have to work their asses off to get it in front of you. And maybe, maybe you'll be kind enough to listen in most cases, most fans will be a douche and not listen. And then they'll call in Eddie Trunk or they'll post something on my Twitter feed. Whatever happened to this band? Whatever happened to blah, 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 blah? We all heard the, or most of us have heard the episode with Eddie Trunk where the guy calls in and he goes, Whatever happened to Michael Sweet? Guess what, people? You all have access to Google. You all do, whether on your phone or whether on your computer. Next time you have a thought of whatever happened to this band or this artist, use Google. It'll give you all the answers. But if you want to compare genres, look at country music. And I know a lot of people will be like, well, country isn't country. I don't want to get in an argument about that. The fact remains is country fans still consider it country. 
right? And country always goes through this cycle of pop country. You look at the early 80s with the Eddie Rabbits and, you know, the Dolly Partons with 925, and now you have, you know, all this stuff going on. They always go through their periods of where it's more of a pop influence. But the fans still react. The fans still connect. The fans still listen. Radio still plays it. Country radio in every market is playing new country music. I always find that funny, too, when a rock fan wants to tell me what's country and what's not. Meanwhile, there's really good rock music that you know, stays true to the influences and the bands that they love and, and adore, and they're not listening. I always love that about rock fans. You've seen them, right? They'll come on the Twitter page, and then they'll say, well, country is no longer country anymore. It's country pop, and it sucks. Okay, well, what's your excuse then for not listening to rock music? Because the bands that I've mentioned and the bands that I've played still true, stay true to form with the influences of the bands that you like, whether it's Zeppelin, Van Halen, whomever, and you ain't listening. So what's your excuse now? Stop giving me every excuse of why this, that, or the other sucks when you're not doing your part and listening to new rock music. That's just the facts. But getting back to country, they have three, four radio stations in every market playing new country music. They've got their own country music channel that promotes new music. They have existing popular artists that have made it, that have sold millions of records, collaborate with new artists. How come that doesn't happen? And if it does, it should happen more. It just doesn't. You know? I don't know. Infrastructure is the biggest thing. Where, where do new artists go to showcase their mu- new material? Yeah, you've got the Viper Room and you've got the Troubadour in, in, in West Hollywood, but why isn't that more relevant? Why do, not, why do more people not know about that stuff? You've got the Bluebird in Nashville. You've got the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville where these new artists go. And the majority of country fans know it. And that's that doesn't exist in rock music. So we're going to dive more into these topics and get deeper into them. I do want to hear your thoughts, so DM me or comment on the link below, whether it's on Twitter or Facebook or soon-to-be YouTube. That's coming. But I want to hear your thoughts. You know, I mean, we have to get this back on the track. We have to get this train back on the track. And right now, we're not doing a good job. Right now, we're not, we're not allowing rock music to do what it needs to do. So think about what you need to do differently as a rock music fan and what more you could do. Send me messages. Say, hey, what new band should I listen to? And I'll send you a handful. If you want more, I'll send you more. But... Be open. Be willing to listen. And that's what matters. So let's see. We're almost done here with 2019. Lots of great music coming out in 2019. I expect a lot more great music to come out in 2020. Let's get on board, people. Let's make this happen. Let's support new rock music. 
Let's support bands putting out new rock albums. Let's support new artists putting out new music. Go see bands that are new. Go support them. Buy some merch. Go do it. Subscribe to their YouTube pages, their Facebook pages, their Spotify, their iTunes, whatever. Subscribe. That'll help them. Do it. We'll touch on all these topics moving forward and in the future. I look forward to it. Once again, this is Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. We will talk again soon. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.